here's here's the deal, everyone. <sighs> um, I'm a little bit hungover. Zach's a little bit tired. <laughs> so tired. <laughs> so tired. I'm also tired, but I'm tired because I'm a little bit hungover. So here we go. Um. <laughs> uh, hey, did you? Uh, you said you were gonna do something with the track. You had something, something planned. Wait, wait, hold, okay. Oh my god! So here we go. I don't know if it's gonna come across. There we go. So. Okay, I'm assuming you're going to have the actual sounds from Helix Native come through in the video because all I got was a DI guitar sound. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm looking at it in, in Logic here and it's just like, wave! <laughs> Literally all I heard. You know what I think you should do? I think you should just use the DI sound. I should just use this sound? <laughs> no, it needs to be what I just heard because that was fantastic. Just <laughs> clean, DI, low-tuned Drop C sharp. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I um I got a new guitar this week. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, let me unplug it. That's amazing. Let me. Let me uh, so that's the one that was sitting in uh, in the snow somewhere, waiting for yeah, you. Yeah, this was like sitting in Minnesota, waiting for me to um. Wow, to get it. So it's it's pretty cool. Like it is it's cool. The, Sch the Schecter uh, KM6 Mark II, and the neck is it's a, it's a wide boy. Yeah, Ooh. it's a wide boy. But um, it's it's surprisingly like resonant. Mm. Right. And the whole guitar is like vibrating. It's 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 pretty nice. And so I put some 11 to 54 gauge strings on it. Well, you are down tuned, so that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, I I tuned it to a. Uh, uh, like D flat, E sharp, or C sharp. E sharp. <laughs> e sharp. You mean F. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I actually like that thing, man. That's, uh, it's a nice look. It's, um, it's somewhat yeah. classy. Yeah. It's not a as garish as I, as, as some like heavier, you know, modern guitars. And it's got the Fishman Fluence pickups. Right. That honestly, it's like the neck because they have the two voicings. Right. Right? So you can pull the volume. Uh, the neck, when you pull it, sounds great. And the bridge, when it's down, sounds great. So I need to like go in and flip the wires so that when I go up to the neck, it's the sound I like, and down to the bridge is right. the sound I like. Right. But I, you know what's funny is like I, I immediately got it and plugged it up to the HX stomp. It was like, you know, chug, 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 chug. It's like, okay, you know, this is doing a thing. And then I, I, I put the new strings on it and tuned it. And plugged it into my deluxe, and I was blown away. It sounds so good through a clean amp. It, it, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of it, weird. It does the thing, man. It does the thing. Drink chat. All right. <laughs> uh, well, let me uh, welcome to Dipped in Tone, everyone. This is uh, episode twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. You yeah. remember? <laughs> Great. Um, we got a cool co topic lined up for today. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So Potentially. I I'm going to give away the all the, the secrets. The trade secrets. Um, so, as always, shout out to our lovely Patreon chat here on the Discord ah. server. You guys are great. We love the gifts. We love the drinking game. You guys created a drinking game. Also, shout out to iPlayBase. Or is yes. it iPlayBase? Yeah, okay. Because from a distance, it looks like exclamation point PlayBase. But iPlayBase, <laughs> iPlayBase uh, humbly fulfilled our request last week of actually filling out like a uh, we're gonna, we've got like a running Google Doc basically of all of the rig dipping segments in our scores. So maybe yeah. we're gonna have to do like a um, end of the year uh, dipped in tone Oscars for uh, the rigs. The best rig, yeah. We'll get guest uh, guest presenters. Right. Ricky Gervais can MC. Oh my God, I love it. Dude, I was just watching Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee the other day. I think that's yeah. the best. I think it's one of the best sh shows on television nowadays. Quote, unquote. Here's the deal. All right. But si side rant here. I'm going on a tangent. 
Um, that glass blowing show, I think you were telling me about it. Yeah. What is it called? Like, uh, blowhard. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, uh, blown away, blown away. Some is some kind of weird pun about blowing glass. <laughs> I'll, so, I'll look it up. All right, I was really excited to watch it because glass blowing is rad. I mean, it's it's cool to sit and watch artists like blow glass. It's super cool, and it is the lamest like <laughs> reality television overblown, overproduced, scripted like competition show. So we watched one episode and I, I got on Tilly's nerves so bad. We were eating dinner watching it and the whole time I'm just yelling at the TV like about how bad it was and how bad reality television is now. It's just horrible. horrible. Oh man. It's good. It's, it's awful. It's yeah. awful. But you watch comedians and cars getting coffee and it is the antithesis of that. It is reality television, right? But it is so great. It is so well done. It's such a simple concept, but it just works, man. You get Jerry Seinfeld and a comedian, and it's not even really about the cars. It, the car is just sort of like a, a method to kind of bring the people together and give them a forum to, to, to talk and everything. But God, it's such a great show. Yeah, it it is it is awesome. I do get sucked into some reality any reality shows um just because they are just so campy and dumb. I was when I was uh for the past like I guess in January I got sucked into Forged in Fire which is just like these <laughs> this competition show about making knives and it's, it's so cheesy and it's goofy. It's just it's all Iron Chef. It's just Iron yeah. Chef just you just repackage it. Uh, it's Iron it, Chef but with swords. When when I told Morgan about it, I said it's chopped with with yeah. knives, with it's more so knives. Dumb. It's so. Can we please? It's my same thing with with all the comic book movies. Okay, we get it. We've done it. We've seen it a million times. Can we please start putting big Hollywood budget summer blockbuster movies together that are not Captain America? Please, for the love of God. Yeah. Well. See, I think you need to watch more of them because some of them are so good. I don't Winter Soldier. To. Did you see Winter Soldier? Yes. It's great. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's a good <sighs> movie. I just don't care. I don't well, care. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I don't care. It's just like I don't care about most guitar things <laughs> <laughs> anymore. I'm just so jaded. I'm so burnt out. That was what we were talking about before we started. It's yeah. just like how unbelievably burnt out I am. And how tired and just exhausted. Yeah, here's the deal, everyone. I'll, I'll, listen, in the in the um, effort of transparency, I don't know if we left this in the beginning or not, so I'm just going to say it now. This this week's episode is going to be a little spicy. I'm a little bit hungover. Zach's a little bit tired and, and cranky and cantankerous, so <laughs> we're going to have yeah. ourselves a, a good old chat today. Yeah, I uh, this week or this weekend, I, I was talking to Matthew over at Novo, and uh, he and I. Like he he plays Destiny, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know the shooter, but he plays it on Xbox and I play it on PlayStation. And they're gonna have it where we can play together eventually. But he said, "Well, let's just like call each other, put in our headsets, and just talk on the phone while we're playing, it. not together, <laughs> just at the same time." And so that's what I'm gonna do. Like Saturday night, we're just gonna have like a guys' night. Are PS fives? I want to. Are they available now? Can you get them anywhere? I don't know. I know scalpers like were. It was insane how they were buying them all up. I don't know. Uh, if I see one, I'll, I'll, I'll buy I it. And get pay one. me back. My birthday's <laughs> on Monday, so I'll buy one. And, oh. and I can. I can join in the boys' night. Yeah. With, with you and Matthew, <laughs> play our video games together while we talk on the phone about girls and and secrets che and Cheetos. Cheetos. Three D Doritos are back. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I, I haven't. Mm. Yeah, we'll get some uh, get some Code Red and some 3D Doritos. Dude, what a time to be alive, right? Come oh, on. Oh, man. What a great... Anyways, um, did I finish the intro to the uh, show? Whatever. We're here. Yeah, we're doing we're, it. We're, yeah, we're 10 minutes in. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. We, they, if they've made it this far, they know what this, this episode's about. So, um, my week was fine. Just been trying to pull the YouTube channel out of the, the nosedive that it's currently in, you know, mm -hmm. so that's always fun. Um, got the band coming in for uh, first day of pre-production on Saturday, starting to work on uh, recording. We rewired and broke down the entire studio this week, which was actually really nice. Now the studio is like set up and ready to go for all kinds of stuff. So that's exciting. Um, and that's 
basically, oh, and I ordered the uh, the Chase Bliss uh, Bliss Factory this week. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I saw that. Did, yeah. Did Did you get it after I sent you that link? Yes. Yeah. Because someone sent it to me and was like, "Tell Rhett." Yep, <laughs> so I, sent I did. It to you. I paid full pop, man. I jumped on Reverb and just bought it. <clears throat> and literally a, about two hours after I bought it, they sold them out. And I'm yeah. glad. Glad. And Tilly was like, "Why did you buy?" And Tilly usually is does not care about like gear. And if I <clears throat> buy stuff, it's like not a big deal. But but she was like, "Why did you buy another fuzz pedal?" Like, because. And I had sh showed her the sold out thing. I was like, because that's why I missed out on the first run, and I was really upset. So I bought this one. Yeah, I uh, I get it. I mean, sometimes you you know, baby, gotta have it. <laughs> you gotta have it, man. Listen, it's my birthday. I, that's what I, I do. I justify it, like for the six weeks around my birthday in March. I just like early February to mid March. Anything that I purchase, I'm just like, well, it's my birthday, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that's that's as a kid you it's all about that one day and then yes. as you get older it's like well you know the whole week it's just you know it's just all gonna be about me okay hey let's dip somebody's rig uh if you're new here in audio form or video form this is something we do every week here on dipped in tone you have to be a patreon subscriber to have your rig dipped uh so we we keep running into that where we find a find one and we're like oh we're gonna do this one and we check because we do check and some people aren't patrons naughty naughty yep tisk, tisk. oh well oh well well so what do, we, what do we got today so i just dropped it in the chat and oh <laughs> this, yeah i saw this one i, I Dude, love it <laughs> this is so sick okay hold on let me so, pull this up so this is from joel haas and it says, I dare you to dip this, this is, my rig, my garage mess. Oh, my God. Is that a rifle case? What is that? I don't know. I think it, that's like a rifle or a shotgun case. It looks like it, it very well could be. Uh, definitely a repurposed case here for his so pedal board, cool. which is <laughs> wicked. Oh, my God. <laughs> so his his the email, um, it's just to the point. It's just a, a bulleted list, except for he doesn't run down all the, the pedals. Uh, but we'll cover that. So he says he's got a, a PV Valve King 50 watt uh, with a vintage 30. Hey, hey, and man. That's, that's hey. hey. <laughs> Finally. If PV, <laughs> hey, man, they made a PV car. made an amp, I'd play it. Like you, you're goddamn right. If they made a car, I'd drive it. If they made a house, I'd buy it. If they made a plane, I'd fly it. <laughs> uh, if they made a chicken, I'd fry it. If they made man. a... All right, I'll stop. Sorry. Shoot. <laughs> uh so he's got the PV, and that's his wet amp. He's got a Vox AC15 Night Train Limited. Cool. Which uh, just sounds like a hair metal song. That's his dry amp. <laughs> and he says, I've got a bunch of lower-end guitars modded by me. He's got an Epiphone Wildcat. And this is going outside of what we said last week, where, hey, don't send us your entire collection. Yeah, all your stuff. <laughs> but I, kinda, I, I like this, because it's just there's not it's not a paragraph. It's just a bullet bulleted list. Epiphone Wildcat, uh, a Fender... Frankenstrat, uh, two of them actually, a BC Ridge double neck, yeah, uh, 12 and 6, a Warlock 7 string, uh, another BC Rich 7 string V Jr., uh, <laughs> two Deans and a Dean from Hell and an Ibanez and <laughs> Ibanez and Fender Squire uh, basses. Two um, Deans and a Dean from Hell. <laughs> yo, two Dean Vs. Hey man, look, he's got a, what's his name again? I can't I've, Joel. Joel. Okay, Joel, you I you're committed, dude. You're committed to the uh to your thing and I respect the hell out of that. You know when you know what you like, you know what you like and you just do it. This board though, my god. The, yeah, so where do we, where do we begin with this sort of rig? <laughs> all right, well first of all, let's let's talk about the case for a second. So if anyone is in audio land, what we're looking at here, picture a uh, a rifle case, like a road case, clamshell so it's a giant rectangle, essentially, that yeah. looks to be, I mean, that's got to be, what, like 40 inches long, 48 inches long? I mean, it's real yeah, wide. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, five feet-ish, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for some of our European viewers that might not have context for, you know, a rifle case, it's just a big, long rectangle that, you know, has foam in it and everything. And he has Piano turned it into a... case. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that actually might be what... Is that what it is? Like a keyboard case? No, it looks like some old, some old Remington rifle case or something. I, yeah, or that could just be because we're 
Americans from the South and anything we see is like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you put a gun in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so my God, I, I'm trying to look at where does the signal flow start here? I'm, I'm assuming with the tuner in the top left and we're going from left to right. Or no, he's got the switcher. He's okay. Yeah. And so, okay. Looking at just the one that's, cause there's two pictures and they both have the pedal board in it. Um, but the one of the overhead view, uh, he's got a, a Dunlop volume that's sitting on top of a power supply. It looks like a Voodoo Lab power supply going into Crybaby, going into the Game Changer Plus, uh, the sustain keyboard thing. Well, I don't know if the signal flow is going this way because there's a bunch of stuff on here. I'm just going to list what I see. Hudson Broadcast, Kingtone Duelist, uh, uh, Van Halen EVH 5150 gain pedal, I don't know what that pedal next to that is. Maybe some sort of EQ. Yeah, I think that's probably what that is. Um, the next one is 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 a Keeley. That's some sort of Keeley. I think it's a reverb. Maybe um, it looks like a more Tremocopter Boss Loop Station on top of another. Looks like the the four by four Voodoo Lab power supply. Right. Polytune, and then that's the top row. In the bottom row, we've got a Fuzzrocious. I think that's the Fuzz Stash or something. Uh, the Digitech Ricochet, which is like a whammy thing, Plasma Pedal, Hall of Fame 2, Flashback, Mimic, and then a Radial ABY, and then in the middle of all that, he's got the big boss um, uh, switcher ES or e- ES8. Is that what it is? Yep. And then and then in the the open clamshell, so you know, the case <laughs> yeah. is open. We've got a, a variable smorgasbord of other items here, starting with a grill lighter, a pack <laughs> of Marlboro Mar- Mar- Reds, Marlboro Reds, uh, coily cable, a drop. That's the uh, what pedal is that? The drop tune, Digitech drop. Yeah, Digitech drop, Uh, and just a power strip, and a Bluetooth speaker, and a a ditto, and one of those little Vox amp plugs, and one of those like hand exercise things. Yeah, and then it looks (laughs) like a toothpick, like one of those tooth flosser things on the right there, and then a Phillips head screwdriver. So you are gig ready. (laughs) You got everything you need, man. <laughs> I love it. Is he lighting the cigarettes with the grill lighter? I mean, I'm assuming that's what that's what that's there for. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Right? Wow. Maybe he's lighting his, his cigarettes off the fire hazard that is this. <sighs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's the deal. This is a this is a, a wild wild rig here. I mean. It just uh, just just the pedal board situation alone. I mean, some really nice, really nice pedal here. Hudson Broadcast, yeah. love it. The um, the sustain pedal. Um, I have one of those. The uh, the plus uh, pedal. It's really cool. It's a really cool tool mm-hmm. for like you know looping stuff or sound design stuff. Really love that. Um, man, I mean, just. The pedals are cool. I'm I'm really just in awe over the uh, the layout here. Yeah. Oh, and and there's a chainsaw down there too. We missed the chainsaw under the pedal board in the overhead shot. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, I did. <laughs> the still chainsaw. <laughs> I, I, I completely missed it. Um, see, and you know what's funny though is like he he said this his this is his garage mess. I like this. For all intents and purposes, this garage looks fairly well organized. It looks cleaner than mine. Yeah, uh, where I work every day. Yeah, you got your spare tires. I guess that's your summer tires over there. Because I can see some road uh-huh. salt. I think that is in the back, maybe, or maybe those are pool chemicals. Uh, so <laughs> maybe you're from somewhere up north and you got your winter tires on your rig right now. Nice cooler in the back there. That's a that's a good cooler situation. Um, mm-hmm. there's some red barrels in the back corner there that, that look a little suspicious to me. I'm not really sure what that would be. Radioactive waste. Probably some kind of fire hazard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so here's the deal. We're going to rate not just the rig, but the garage as well. Okay. And, um, get yourself a good old ladder back there too. This is a, this is a good, a good garage. It's a big garage. It's a big garage. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it as well. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to give this one... <sighs> I play bass. Hope you're paying attention. Um, I'm going to give this 7.8 out of 10 shoils. For f- the reason it doesn't get higher for me is 
first of all, respect to the layout, respect to the uh, repurposing of the other case and everything. It's a little bit of a mess, and that stresses me out just a little bit. Um, but other, otherwise, great rig. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. If if I showed up at a gig and someone that was playing on the same same night had this, I'd be like, "All right, we're in for a good time." Um, I'm gonna give it. I, I think the pedal board brings it up. Yep, for sure. Yep. The the amp situation, kind of. I feel like I feel like you need more amp for the pedal board that is this awesome. Right. So I want to give it. I want to give it a six and a half mm. soils. Yeah, I would agree. I'd say upgrade the amp game a little bit. You know, yeah. not, not the crazy. You don't need to go like crazy boutique high end, but you know, maybe maybe trade in that Vox and that PV and uh, get you something. Oh, is there, there's a blue. Is that a blue? Yeah, it looks like one of those on top of that side turned yeah. cab amp situation. I've never played. Rick has one of those that I've been keen on trying out. I've never tried it. I hear they're really cool. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I love this. Also, shout out to the old school lawn chair too. When's the last time you've seen one of those? <laughs> the, you know that that's the color scheme that RJ should have. Yeah, for his channel, like the teal and white, like strip fabric. Strip that that lawn chair. lawn chair is very much in the RJ or Onkelio aesthetic. Like not just the color, but just the also the like the chair itself. I feel like I haven't seen one of those since 1996. Right. The last time you, you had one of those or you sat on one, it like just it, disintegrated. Yeah, and you, your ass fell through the, the bottom because <laughs> it's been sitting outside for 35 years and <laughs> just getting baked in the sun. <laughs> wow. Oh, what a great rig, man. What a I, great I, rig. See, those are the, like, I, I love seeing all the fancy schmancy, like cool rigs with the most expensive stuff possible, but this is way more interesting. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. We can look at all the Instagram hipster rigs all we want, but this is uh and I say that being an Instagram hipster rig, right? I say that right. with uh with love, but this to me is just if if I was on a gig like you said, if I was on a gig and a dude rolled up and like you know, I had to strike my board and pull my gear back so that the next band could like set their gear up and, and this is what showed up. I'd be a little intimidated. Not going to lie. I'd be a little bit like, oh my God, this guy knows what's I, up. He's got, uh, he's got some shit going on here. Right. The one time I went to a gig when I was in college, uh, it was like a clinic thing, uh, for one of the Wooten brothers, they were at our school and were like doing a thing. And, uh, the guitar player there, and I might've told this story already, had a setup that looked really suspect. Mm -hmm. And I was like <sighs> scoffing at his the guitar rig. And then he got up to play and it sounded amazing. And I'm like, never again will I <laughs> judge for, yep. you know, just because I think, you know, if it were me, I would do this. Well, he's using solderless cables on his pedal board. <laughs> so obviously he doesn't know. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've done that before too, where you kind of look at, you know, I think I think everyone's a little bit guilty of that in some way, shape, or form at some point in their life, where you kind of, you, you know, you start to feel yourself a little bit, and you think you got your shit together, and then you start to kind of like judge someone a little bit of their thing, and then they show you up, and you're like, oh, well, I've been humbled. Yeah, yeah. I I played a gig once, and we were opening for a band, and I had a big old pedal board, and was like really proud of how I sounded. And then the guy that got up after me had a had a black Russian big muff. A Fender Princeton and just like a Epiphone Sheridan or something semi-hollow, and it sounded perfect. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'm doing this all wrong." <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, good rig, love it. Uh, people in the chat are saying we should have given it six point six six shoils. I kind of agree, but yeah, for for the 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 deans. Yeah, man. But listen, the rating has been set. Okay, it's set in stone. <laughs> Once rated, you can't go back. It's committed to digital tape. That is the law of the universe. So, do we want to touch on... Now, this... I don't know if we have time for this. Okay. Because uh, we've already dilly-dallied quite a bit. <laughs> um, Dave Mustaine, seeing all these deans. Uh-huh. Dave Mustaine is now with Gibson. Do we want to talk about that? Or just like, should we just... I mean, we can. Move on. Does anyone... I don't think anyone cares at this point. I mean, it's, it's cool. I, is it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
It, I'm not that to be honest. I'm not qualified to speak on this, so I'm just gonna say, awesome. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's just like uh, as as Tom Segura would say, "I'm all shoulders." It's like <laughs> I'm all shoulders. <laughs> you like that Tom Segura guy, don't you? Oh, he's funny. He's funny. he is funny. I'm not gonna lie. <clears throat> um, sweet. So uh, what's uh, what's okay? Let me let me introduce the topic here because it was my idea, and I think it's gonna be cool. Um. I think we should talk about the pedal business. Mm. Let's get down to business here. Because there is, I think, I just think there's sort of some happiness around like pedal companies and how they function and like how they make money, you know. And I'm not going to like ask you, hey, tell me how, how much money you make and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what is the difference between like a pedal that costs $300 and a pedal that costs $80 or $90 or $100 brand new. You look at like the JHS 3 series and then you look at something, you know, more boutique and more expensive. Uh, like why, why the difference, all that kind of stuff. You know, what is it like running a pedal company by yourself? You know, share, share yeah. the juicy details, man. Okay, we'll keep track of topics and we'll kind of fire through them. And if anyone in the chat has something they're curious about that pertains to this, we'll... We'll touch on it, but like, first off, the why does X amount of or why does X pedal cost more than Y pedal? That that's that's something that that is kind of confusing because you know when when you think about it, there's not. I mean, when you're comparing apples to apples, you know, let, let's say uh, an import <clears throat> Moore tube screamer thing compared to an American made uh, tube screamer thing. Right. You know, you're looking at a Moore that costs 30, 40 bucks right out of the box, brand new. Right. Um, compared to something made in the States that could be sometimes up to $200. Um, as far as components go, there is a big difference in, in your choice of component. I mean, well, how do you, how do I phrase this? Like if, if everything is made surface mount, Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people assume that surface mount components are cheap. Right. When in fact that's not true. And there is these days there's so many more options for surface mount because literally everything is going this direction. Um, Nick Greer and I were talking about this uh, yesterday. How op amps that you use traditionally with a little socket and, and you you put it in and soldered in or or whatever. Um, like a chip that that anyone could unplug and play with, those are disappearing. Uh, not every vet like type is going to be available. I'd say in the next three or four years. Really? So, oh yeah, yeah. It's all everything's going that way. Um, just because it, it makes sense from a from a production standpoint, manufacturers, you know. But um, the the component choices do have a big part of the price because just because a cap is is a hundred nanofarad or whatever. There's there's a multitude of options and all those play into the price. But the biggest thing for me is not necessarily the components um, on the board itself. Okay. Because they're that's almost moot. The thing that matters to me the most is the the design and then the hardware and the quality of the workmanship that goes into it. Because I've opened up a Joyo pedal uh, a few years ago. You know, someone sent me one to mod, and inside it was all through hole. Yeah, made pretty well, used pretty standard parts. But the wire, if you barely moved it, they would just pop right off the board. Mm. The jacks were really cheap. After you know, I'd say if you if you toured with that pedal for six months, the jacks or the foot switch would just be toast. Um, the enclosure is about the same, but. You know, it's the little things like that that really, I think, add to the cost of, of the pedal. So you've got parts, labor. Then yeah. there's also, you know, a difference between a pedal being made overseas and a pedal being made in America, right? Labor costs are, are quite a bit different, you know? Right. Um, and then how much of that cost is involved in like the development with something like a tube screamer i mean that's all been done right like you don't have to develop a tube screamer circuit 
Well, yeah. I mean, you you would you would think that there are definitely people that that make boutique pedals that say they took years to develop a circuit in when in fact they're just a clone of something. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, neither here nor there, I guess. But see, development's a weird thing because I think with certain pedals like say some of the Chase Bliss stuff with the, the sliders and all that stuff, that took so much money to develop. Yeah. Year and that I did take years to develop. <laughs> like years and yeah. and I mean, who knows how many thousands and thousands of dollars. Um that you just have to eat until you're ready to put the pedal out. So for for something like that, I think it makes sense that that product costs as much as it does because the development time was so deep and so expensive. But for everything else, I feel like it just kind of comes out in the wash. I feel like you can't you can't sell development for something like like a delay pedal or an overdrive pedal because the end user doesn't care. Right. I mean, they may care about the story that it took you, how, how it took you to get to that point. But I don't, oftentimes I don't think that in has, should have any reflection on the price of the unit. Yeah. I've never like been shopping for a pedal and thought about like when I'm comparing two overdrives at a store or something, I'm not thinking about like, mm, I wonder how long this one took to develop versus this one. It's literally, it just, it doesn't cross my mind. It's all just, oh, well, uh, which one sounds better and which one feels better to me and how much is it compared to this one? Is this one $50 than this one, for example? Right. And, and you know, a lot of it too, the reflection of price, like a Moore versus an American made pedal, just like paying, like you said, you know, paying someone to put it together here in the States takes money. Yeah. You know, the price of the components, you know, notwithstanding it takes you know uh, for someone who is building stuff uh like you know a company who's making like jhs yeah you know um most of their pedals now are surface mount but it still takes a human being putting on the pots putting on the wires soldering the jacks um soldering the foot switches you know time put that thing together and then you have to test it and box it up and put the knobs on it. Yeah. Um, like all those things are reflected in the price of the unit because those people have to eat. Yeah. And so that brings up my next question then. What about margins and markups, right? Because people got to make money. Business has got to make money. JHS has got to pay their employees, you know, and they go through a dealer network, right? You can't buy direct from JHS. I don't think, can you? Uh, you, you used to, I don't know if let's look. Let's look it up. JHS pedals. Dot info. They changed their website. Did they really? Uh-huh. Uh, oh, they did. Wait, why did they, why would you do dot info? Did they lose their domain? No, I think they just changed it to be more encompassing for the show and everything. Got it. Um, but. Retailers. Uh, pedals. I don't think you, I don't think you can. It says find a retailer. You can buy merch. Right. Rate. Uh, rate. Yeah, so like the bonsai. Okay, so let's look at the bonsai. 229, okay? Because this is kind of right. our Tube Screamer example. Now, this is, I think this one is an example of a Tube Screamer that probably took some development time because it's essentially like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different iterations of a Tube Screamer and one pedal. Yeah. So... You know, and they've got like the Keeley mod on there. They've got JHSs. They've got the OD1, 808, TS9, TS10, so on and so forth. So 229 for Tube Screamer. Well, for nine Tube Screamers, if you kind of think about it. Yeah. If you want to justify it that way. Now, how much do you think it costs them to make, to get that pedal out the door to a retailer? Uh, Well, I... See, I don't know how deep I want to go, <laughs> go into that because that might be pulling back the curtain too much. Because uh -oh. that's and, and I and I don't want to speak to something you don't like, know don't, about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know their margins. I know my margins. Um, I know a few other people's margins, but I don't know their margins. But you know, something like this, uh, anybody can go on a like a guitar pedal supplier website and find out how much switches, knobs, jacks costs right and you can kind of get an approximation of, of of all that the most expensive part to most pedals is the enclosure and the circuit board right. everything else the hardware 
Um, because for a company like JHS, they're not buying like you know, like your friend that makes pedals might buy ten foot switch, foot switches at a time. Mm-hmm. JHS is going to buy like ten thousand foot switches at a time. Right. Uh, so, but you know, it's for something like this, which is is very complicated. I've I've been inside one of these, and, and just because I, I had to know, I was like, how do they how are they making this work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it it's. It this took so much development, right? That I think it totally justifies that price. But I don't know if I want to like speak out of turn so far as how much I think it costs them to produce this. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. But again, that's this is an example of something. You're right. I mean, cramming nine tube screamers in the enclosure of one pedal, right? Like that's a pretty impressive feat. Now, and I agree. I think two two hundred thirty bucks is probably justified for something like this um if you're into the tube screamer thing which admittedly i'm not mm. but we still have to change that yeah do we though i don't know yeah yeah we do i don't i just i don't know if we do though um but yeah so so there is like you know dealer markups and things like that that are important to consider but um now, what about as we start to get more into the boutique side of things? And and I mean, we'll, we'll focus on, I think, fuzzes here because fuzzes, mm. I think, are slightly unique in that, you know, boutique. So if I were to take, you know, one of my Jex Tales fuzzes or something as an example, you know, he's using quote unquote real transistors, germanium stuff, stuff yeah. that's hard to find, right? Hard to source, doesn't always work, Right. What is yeah. what does that look like in the in the world of boutique fuzz? Well, I think one of the reasons why boutique fuzzes are as expensive as they are is because of the 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 number of components you have to buy to make them work. Um, transistors, germanium transistors especially, are so inconsistent, and and partly why I'm so hesitant to ever dive into that world because, like, let's say, you know, you want to make a hundred pedals right like, let's say you want to make 100 fuzz faces um each one of those fuzz faces has two germanium transistors those two have to measure a certain value or or at least be balanced to one another to sound how it should right to have those match pairs you may not need you you, you like you would think oh let's buy 200 you probably have to buy upwards of 400 to get 200 nicely matched pairs. And, and I, I found, found this out the hard way because when I made my kits, uh, I made a fuzz face kit and I, I went with silicon. I used BC 108s, 109s. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wouldn't you, if you're making 200 match pairs, wouldn't you have to buy 400 anyways? So you're saying you'd have to buy. No, no. If you're making a hundred pedals, you need 200 transistors. You probably will have to buy 400. Got it. Okay. Total to get 200 match pairs. Right. So or, or get to get 100 match pairs. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. then what My what bad. are you doing with the other 50% of those transistors? You just throwing them away? No, you just hang on to them. But like with those fu- the fuzz kits, what I did is I, I went through uh and measured every single one and then put them in uh bins that were all so I had like gain ranges in like measured out and you, you know everything within like this certain gain range went in this bin. And then from there, I would measure them again before I paired them to make the, the, the that kits. sounds and horrible. It was, <laughs> it was and, and like, I get, I get messages a lot. Like, when are you going to make some more kits? I want to make a fuzz face kit. Like I, I don't have time. Yeah. I, I don't have time because that is, is so time consuming. And that to me, the, the thing that what I, a lot of people might not realize about what analog man is doing and what so many other really high quality fuzz manufacturers are doing like Jex Telez, like like Mike at Seeker is not only are they measuring the transistors, but I know for a fact, analog man measures every component that goes in a sun face, every cap, every resistor. Crazy. And th- it takes so much time. Mm. But th- I, that's, that's a big part of the conversation that most people don't understand. Like, especially when it comes to, to, pure boutique and I would consider analog man and, and, you know, Jex to Les, Mike, like those guys are boutique. Yes. Yeah. It, like Jex to Les, Bob, like you, 
doesn't even really have a website. <laughs> like, no. You go to Jex Teles, you look it up on Google, and it's just kind of a landing page that kind of talks about some of the stuff, but you can't buy anything there. There's no like information about stuff. And it's funny because I, I love Jex Teles pedals. Um, I've bought a few of them. He's, he's sent me some over the years, and I use them in my videos a lot. And whenever I use pedals in videos, I, I like to like post links in the description. So um, some of them end up being like affiliate links, and I earn you know some commission off of them. But other times it's like, well, I'm not earning any money. I just think this is a cool thing. And like with Jack Sledge, the problem is there's like nowhere to link to somebody who might be selling one of those pedals on reverb. So I'll have right. to find like, oh, here's one that's used. And if you want, you can just like click this link and try and find out more about it. But, you know, so, I mean, and there is information out there. There's like, you know, forum posts and things like that. But yeah, I think that is like a truly boutique company, which the boutique name and in, in sort of uh, title or, or uh, label now, I think has gotten a little bit kind of bastardized over the years to basically anybody that's not one of the big manufacturers is boutique, but right. like JHS, I don't think would be boutique. Like, no, and I don't consider the majority of my stuff boutique, even though I'm one dude, like I'm not putting all those surface mount parts on, you know? Yeah. So what is, what do you consider boutique? I consider if you're putting all the components on the board, a boutique, like, uh, so like this, uh, so this this wildwood uh yep meal near here yep. so I, you know i myself or morgan put all the components on that board and and do every solder connection we in all of that right and i would consider that a boutique pedal because uh while there is some surface mount stuff tucked away on the on the back uh this is mostly you know 90 percent of it is done by hand Trying to find my damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to find my screwdriver to take the back off of this um, buzz tone, and I can't find a Phillips bit. Oh, that's gonna tie into my shill of the week. Oh, here we go. I got it. Everyone's relax, okay? In the comments section, just hold on. This is gonna be so, worth it. You know, and, and this is something that I think is reflected throughout the entire community. Boutique, handmade, hand-wound, you know, in, in regards to pickups. Like, you know, uh, there's so many of these words are just marketing. They're just hype. And that, that of course, uh, I saw in the chat, someone said all the prices are marketing and hype. Uh, and that's partially true. You know, uh, if if I didn't have any sort of pull in the pedal world, and, and, and I... To be fair, I feel like I am a small fish in a big pond. But when you're getting into it, you can't really price your stuff in a way that you're, you're it, it, you can't demand what your name doesn't respect yet. Right. Uh, but pricing is, is such a. Well, but in your worm. case, though, like how many, your Mjolnirs now, people are starting to flip on reverb for like kind of crazy yeah. money right i mean the wildwood stuff is going up for what 500 bucks plus yeah you know, like. it, it's calmed down a little bit the last one i saw that sold sold for 285 and you know they're 250 new but okay. and, and for all intents and purposes that's the uh buzz tone oh yeah I mean, see that that's is, like super boutique yeah that is hand hand built man yeah all those those big caps and stuff that like they don't necessarily fit on the circuit board right but yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It, it does the thing. Um, yes, yeah, so there's Millard OC84s. There's two mm -hmm. OC84s in here. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really cool stuff. Sorry, didn't mean to derail you. Yeah, no, it, it's fine. But like, um, it, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh uh, boutique. Sorry, I got distracted. Oh, you're uh, the Wildwood stuff, the Mjolnir stuff, getting kind of crazy and calmed down a little bit. And oh yeah, and I mean, and that's just supply and demand. I think, um, and, and it's something that I caught into a discussion about um, Novo guitars on their Facebook group, right? Uh, about because you know now because the wait list for a Novo is a year, pretty much mm -hmm. for a custom one, right? 
and people are selling them for silly money. And some of them are people are trying to sell them for obscene amounts of money. Like what's obscene? I haven't seen any of this. Like oh, ten thousand dollars. Oh my god. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Nobody. Eight, eight, okay, eight any, to ten. No, no, no. Anybody who's out there, don't, don't, don't pay eight to ten thousand dollars for a Novo. Uh, wait. Get on the yeah. wait list and get what you want, but don't go out because you got to have it right now or something like that. Don't do that. They're, they're building guitars. Dennis is around and building. They're, they're going to be around for a long time. Like there's no reason to pay some scalper that much money. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, granted it was for a finish that isn't, I don't know if they do it anymore and, and stuff like that. But you know, to me, that's neither here nor there. Like you can get them to make a, the coolest guitar you've ever seen. Yeah with the finishes they got. Yeah. So, but going back to the pedal thing. Yeah. Like it, it's weird pricing stuff. Cause I've had friends in the pedal community who made a product, a pedal and they priced it really competitive and no one bought it. Right. And then they raised the price and people started to buy it because the perception of the value of the pedal went up. Exactly. Perceived value is a very important thing when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's like, Oh, well this is only a hundred dollars you know, oh, this can't be that good if it's only hundred bucks. Right. But if it's yeah. $180, like, oh, now it's, this has got to be better because it's more money. Right. Yeah. The, it, the pricing is so stressful and I've struggled with, with that myself for, you know, the delay. I, I announced that the delay is going to come out March 15th, the Ides of March. Uh, I, I didn't know that when I posted it and right. people were like, Ides of March. It's like, I don't who cares? I, I don't know what that is. I've heard the term, but I don't know what Ides of March I don't know. is. It's like when Caesar died and I don't know, it's okay. Shakespeare plays and stuff. I don't know. Cool. But um, uh, I stressed hard over the price. Right. And you had said something about how do pedal builders make money. Um, and that that's... And that's the ultimate goal for anybody doing... Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is a anything. business. Yeah, I mean... And that's okay but, too. Like the, some people online get this weird, they get weird about this stuff, which is like, oh, well, they're just, they're just doing that to make money. Well, if that's their job. Right. Yeah. Like, the, and that's okay. <laughs> not, yeah. The, you don't need to be like, there's like this moral superiority complex in some corners of the internet that, that get that way. Like, oh, this is just a money grab. It's like, no, it's not just a money grab, but it is. Like you want to get paid for your time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, when I started all this, um, and, and this was like 2000, so 2010 or 2011, when I was like first trying to make a few pedals and sell them locally, I was going to price them at like 120, 150 bucks or something like that, or may, maybe even a hundred bucks. And I was showing them to my dad and he's not a guitar player, but he is, he's a businessman. And, uh, he took him and was looking at him and he asked me how much and he said, oh, that's not enough. And I was like, do you think so? And he said, well, what do other people sell them for? And I'm like, you know, 200-ish. And he's like, are, are these shitty or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, they sound great. And he's like, well, why are you short selling yourself? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, this is a job. Uh, when Rick Beato posts videos upset about his video is getting flagged and pulled down. He has every right to do that because that is his job. Mm -hmm. I just saw someone post, um, like another YouTuber posted this video, like, like bitching at Rick for being upset. And it's like, you know, if that was your job, wouldn't you complain about it? Yeah. You know, if you had to drive to work and the parking lot was fenced off and you couldn't park and go to work, wouldn't you be upset? You know, yeah. like, People just have to take a step back and realize that while all this is 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 fun, it's people's livelihood and it's how they're putting food on the table. And, and regardless of your success level, you know we're, we still have to earn money. And yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. And and the other thing too is like as a consumer and someone who's paying for stuff or as someone who's watching videos or whatever, like you hold power in where you put your money and where you put your time. And if you don't like the way someone's conducting their business or you don't like that Rick you know, makes these rant videos about his stuff getting blocked. You don't watch. That's what you can do. You can just not watch, but, or you can not buy the pedal or you can not buy the guitar, whatever. Like the, nobody is, 
coming to your home with a gun pointed at your family saying like, if you don't buy this tube screamer, I swear to God, you know, like it just, so yeah, I mean, there, there is a, and I think most people out there understand this, like, yeah, this is business and, and I want to support some businesses. I'm not really into supporting others or they're just sort of agnostic and it's like, well, it's about the product. I, I like this stuff. I don't like that stuff. And it's cool. There, there is a somewhat vocal minority of people out there that try and turn it into something more than it is. And, um, you know, the, with, with regards to Rick's thing with the, the copyright thing, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still like, you know, the reason he's upset about those videos getting blocked is not because like he's not making money on those videos to begin with. Like right. the videos are demonetized and they're going to the artists. And so the, the sort of ridiculousness behind a video, you know, whoever, Don Henley, whatever, blocking one of these videos, it's incredibly short-sighted and a stupid decision on the artist's part, especially these older artists who are, I think, some cases going to be kind of irrelevant in a few years as their fan base just, you know, kind of moves on and, and right. you know, dies off not to be morbid, but you know, right. and so people like Rick and people like other YouTubers who are making videos, using their content, using their music, or in Rick's case, using their music to highlight how good it was or to teach a concept. Like, first of all, Rick has a massive platform. He gets millions of views on a lot of these videos. So he's turning on millions of people to your music that might not have known about it beforehand. And also you're getting paid. So the money that's generated from this video should be going to you. And from a copyright standpoint, technically this should all qualify under fair use because it's education. So right. what's the issue? The issue is right. you don't understand the internet. And the issue is right. you you don't understand and it scares you. And you think it's like Napster. You're getting pirated. Like Rick Biotto is pirating your your music, which is incredibly stupid yeah. and, and short-sighted. And it needs to change. And there are there is some stuff in the works that YouTube is working on right now that well I may have divulged too much but there there are some things that are that are happening in regards to YouTube as a platform that is going to take action to kind of fix a lot of this stuff yeah but back to the pedal thing <laughs> back to like the the business stuff it's like yeah this is um this is your livelihood this is your your business and so if you see a pedal you know and you think oh my god. $275. That's ridiculous. I would never pay. No pedal is worth that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, don't buy it. But yeah. there's a lot of other people that are going to buy it. And, yeah. you know. And and it's funny, like, looking back at, at my journey in this, because talking about how we do make money, you know, in the beginning, it's all about selling direct. Yeah. And about getting every penny you can. Um, and not, not to sound greedy, but just because that's how you like buy more parts. But now I've abandoned selling direct except for limited things mm -hmm. um, because I physically can't do the ones and twos mm -hmm. and it shoots my dealers in the foot in a way because like, why would, why would I want to compete with my dealers? You know, they're, right. they're my backbone. Right. And um, like, I like emboldening that relationship because if I work with them and I, you know, I, provide the best service as a manufacturer as possible and keep them in the loop and shout them out and, you know, have everybody working together in a way, even, you know, Wildwood and Mass Street Music both sell my stuff, but I don't feel like they're competing with, with each other. Right. And so I try to highlight everybody evenly and fairly, but it's, <sighs> people don't understand that I don't, why I don't sell direct because that takes such a stress off my shoulders. And even though I am making a, a, a taking a loss because, you know, any guitar thing that a store has, they're buying it for anywhere from like 50 to 25% off retail price. Mm -hmm. And that's somewhere in the range. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think probably the only, the, the things that get the most discount would be like strings and small things. Pedals are somewhere in the middle and guitars are somewhere in the middle too. It depends. But you know, it's just like the loss you have to take. And that was something that's really stressing me out with the delay because, you know, while I'm saying it's going to be 259 because that's going to be the price, um, I'm, I'm not making that, yeah. you know? Right. And I have to, like, look at all my numbers and, and 
really weigh the consequences yeah. of where I put it. But like to me, it's like, oh, that's as good as any three hundred dollar analog delay. But can I sell it for that? Mm. You know, it's tough. Yeah, because then you have to start to look at the market. It's like, well, what else is out there? How many how many people out there are really interested in like an analog delay versus any of the digital stuff that's out there that does the analog thing, right? Like, right? Are there players out there? They'll say, yeah, this one's analog, but you know the whatever the nemesis will do the analog thing plus it'll do all this other stuff and it's about the same price so i'll just do that so you, you kind of have to figure you know figure out that side of it too and on the dealer side it's their margins are not um and like i i don't know i've never owned a guitar store right so i'm i don't really know about this but i do have friends you know like friends at righteous for example and they're they're a pretty specific kind of dealer in that they primarily deal in like higher end boutique kind of stuff. They don't really do vintage stuff and they are getting more into the, I guess, bulk, like mid-level, you know, Fender and Gibson USA stuff now. Sure. But, you know, like on the divided by 13, my white one that I bought from them five or six years ago, I was like trying to, it was a lot of money and I didn't like, I was having to borrow some money and like, pull money together and, and stuff and i was trying to like haggle with them and they wouldn't move on the price and i learned later it's because their margins on those amps are almost nothing like they, they're not making any money on those amps really at all like for what fred sells them for to the dealer to what righteous is is marking them up i mean it it maybe is a couple hundred bucks on every amp yeah. that they sell like it's not it's just not a lot of money yeah, and, and you would think like big ticket items are so much more room, but for big ticket boutique items, it's not. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah, the, the real money is made on like the lower ticket items that you can sell a lot of. Yeah, and, 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 and accessories and, I mean, not pedals as accessories, but like, you know, you want every day for people to be buying strings. Yeah. You know, and like stra uh, straps and cables and that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's about quantity for those things. Um, mass... Machetier? I don't know how to how to say his mm -hmm. user master Machetier. Is mm -hmm. that how he's his name on the I Discord? Guess. Uh, how much did competing pedals factor into the delay price? And that's a good question because um, you were talking about comparing it to something like a digital delay. And the one thing you do have to consider is like how 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 will the market perceive this? Why will anyone want it? And there has to be a story in in some. It doesn't have you know. Some pedals have like a crazy long development story and really interesting people behind it. Like mm -hmm. you look at the 1981 DRV with Matt Hoops and it took five years to make it exactly how he wanted it. And it's a whole thing. The delay is not that complicated, but it's, you know, it's analog using a chipset that people know and enjoy. And it does a thing that I think people are going to like, but I did have to look like who else is making an analog delay mm -hmm. with a similar feature set. Right. And how much are they? You know, the, the I think the most comparable analog delay that that i've found to what mine is is the jam uh the, delay the small the small delay llama yeah which those are like 229 i think yep no tap tempo it with no tap they sound great though they're great i had one uh yeah. when, every time i'm about to do, like start something i just buy as many market uh, as i can yeah and uh you know you have the carbon copy and a few other people are making a pure analog delay but I, I, th I felt like I, I was at a sweet spot with the 259. I feel like it's, it's not, it's not as high as I would want it to be if I'm, you know, being honest, but it's, I think going to be competitive and seeing as, as I am still putting them together myself, I'm, I'm putting the chips on and soldering all the wires on. I'm not putting on all the, the, uh, the components <laughs> necessarily, Right. But I'm, you know, I'm taking this little pin connector and programming everyone with my computer, like doing all this stuff to make it work myself. So Crazy, I think like it had man. to be at that bit. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I think we could, uh, we could continue to talk for like another two hours on this topic. So I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Sure. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think in the comments though. I think this is a cool, a cool, interesting topic. Um, lots of yeah, opinions you have flying questions. around. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to know things, I'm a fairly open book as far as most things. And, and like I said, I don't like to talk about prices too much publicly. I, you know, like I've had serious conversations with small starting pedal businesses about like what margins are and 
what that takes. And I think the thing that most people, if you're looking at starting a company in, in any like part of this industry, not just pedals, it takes time. Like that's the thing that you have to be ready for is it's going to take years before you're really making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and like before you're able to even afford stuff to make your margins better, because now I'm, I'm buying, you know, over a thousand foot switches at a time, which, right. you know, even last year I thought I'm never, that's, that's so I'm never going to buy that many, you know, and now I have to, yeah. because it's like, I, 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 there's nothing worse than running out of a part when you need it. Yep. Well, there you go, everyone. This has been dipped in tone. No shell. Oh wait, yeah, we forgot. Uh, yeah, okay. You have one. You said you had one earlier. I do, and and it's funny because I lose this thing so frequently. Should I go first? Yep. Okay, my shell of the week is my Leatherman tool. Yeah. Hey, I've got one too. Every guitar player, everywhere needs one of these and, and don't buy some like walmart branded cheap buy a real leatherman tool oh that no you need like you got to get one of these boys well i got this one at an rei scratch and dent sale like 12 years ago this is like the leatherman cx carbon fiber i paid like 30 yeah. bucks for it yeah well i like i i can't even tell you how many gigs and things i have like saved using like all, I mean, not, not necessarily a knife, but, um, w- with having my Leatherman tool Yeah. and one funny story. So I, I used to play, uh, with, with some guys and occasionally we would do wedding gigs Yep. and we went to a gig, we brought our PA, but no one told us that we had to provide additional music to us you know like like a dj kind of thing yeah no one said that okay um nor did they say we needed to bring any equipment to plug in said dj ipod right so what i had to do i had this and we had one um we had like an rca we had like part of an rca cable i think that the wedding planner had an rca cable that like had a you know headphone jack on it yeah but for whatever reason, it wouldn't connect to ground. So I used the knife on this and I found a bread tie <laughs> and I stripped the insulation off the bread tie, tied it to the RCA ground and then shoved it and tied it onto a ground on their mixer. Oh my God. So we could connect. But if anyone got on the stage while the iPod was playing, the ground would shake and it would turn the music turn off. Turn the music off. Great. But awesome. That's that's why you should always have this and just like keep these, you know, these spread <laughs> ties, these zip ties or uh, twist ties laying around. That's awesome. Yeah. That comes from the uh, Adam Savage school of uh, thought, the Leatherman thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the first things I saw him do on Tested, like the first one day build I watched was him making the little belt clip for his Leatherman. The- yeah. Um, when I saw that, I wanted immediately to buy one for my dad because he he's used the leather, the leather yeah. belt holster for my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shout out to St. Adam Savage. <laughs> Special place in my heart. I want, I want a candle, like one of those, I don't know, what do you call them? <laughs> Saint candle? Saint candles, like, which is Adam Savage. Like he's got the halo behind his head and he's just like this. He's all bandaged and like got spray paint on him and he's bleeding. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So my shill of the week is a pedal. Uh, the Broadcast AP. Oh. From Hudson, the Ariel Posen uh, signature. This pedal I really enjoy. I did get it for free. So there you go. Um, Ariel sent it to me when they first released them. I think it was last year, right? Or was it 2019? This game? I feel like it was 2019. He was going to send me one. And I never got one. <laughs> Well, um, it's fantastic. Honestly, it's really, really good. It uh, it does everything from kind of clean boost sort of stuff to sort of light to medium gain, hit the front end of your amp a little bit harder with a little bit of saturation to full-on fuzz tones. Yeah. It's killer, man. Um, I'm not sure what they're using in here. You probably know more about that than I do, but... Um, uh, I think it's transistors, and it's like, it's, like a, it's like a console strip or something. I yeah, think. it's a preamp kind of essentially, hence the Neve 
knobs. If anybody ever yeah. sees those, those are knobs from the classic Neve uh, series of uh, Rest in Peace, Rupert. Um, but yeah, man, you know, I I love this preamp style pedal because it I think um, having a, it, it just it just does something a little bit different than a typical overdrive or fuzz might do. Um, and and that's more of a real preamp, right? Like I feel like a lot of people say preamp and they mean overdrive pedal, right? So like this and the color box from JHS, the color box V2, I think is another good example. It's more full featured than this, um, which mine is. Oh God, stand by. Here it is. All right. <laughs> so here's the color box V2 from JHS. Um, I want one. They're really cool, man. So this is more the both of these would would qualify as preamp pedals, right? Meaning they're they're acting in a similar way as like a recording preamp on a console or a mic preamp or something. They have a transformer in them, so your signals mm -hmm. going through a transformer. Which I think the more signals you can put, the more transformers you can put in your signal chain, I think is a good thing, personally. Right. Um, but the uh, the Colorbox V2. It's more full featured. So this you could use, it's also an EQ. You can plug a microphone or instrument into it. I've talked about this before. I think this yeah. might've been a shill of the week before. Um, yeah. Has a stepped gain control like a Neve. So this is supposed to be essentially like a Neve 1073 in yeah. a box. Whereas this is just, I'm not actually sure what preamp they're trying to emulate here. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really like what, what Hudson does uh, on uh, like from like from what I've heard, I've never tried one, and um, I don't I don't know if anybody that I work with like sells them, but I need to. I mean, Anderton's probably, but I Anderton's I, I really should it, try. Yeah. And... It's cool, man. But but shout out to to Ariel Posen. He's got some new music coming out soon. Yep. So check it to, out. Yeah, I need to have him on my podcast. Um, talk about his music stuff, his musicking. But yeah, yes. Broadcast AP. Check it out. It's real good. Sounds good. Nice. Awesome. Well, cool. We did it. We did it. Twenty-seven. It. Here we are. Uh, I hope we don't have the curse of twenty-seven. You know, like all. Of oh our, yeah, so the podcast just stops after this week. <laughs> yes, we just, we just uh, the podcast chokes out its own vomit and sleep. Oh god, gross. <laughs> Fucking gross. I can't. I can't handle that. <laughs> uh, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't fucking do it, man. Oh my god. Bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>